0: Welcome to the Buyer's Desk, an Infra podcast. We'll guide you through quick snapshots on Infra trends and insights, interviews with member store buyers and brand founders, and we have curated segments from Infra staff. Hey folks, and thanks for joining us on another episode of the Infra Buyer's Desk, I am Chris Sorensen, Promotions Program Manager.
1: And I'm Angela Bozo, Director of Member Programs. And we're back. Can you believe it, Chris? Here we are.
0: Yeah, we got a second episode. We were renewed, pilot, (laughs) done. Second episode started. I love it. Um,
1: I like it so much that we have returned, but I also think that we have returned with a pretty lofty theme for our second episode.
0: We wanted to do regenerative agriculture. Great theme, right? In theory. Oh, but it's so complicated, this conversation.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that we did a great job not adding to the clarity, but adding to the complexity. And I say that very intentionally.
0: Yeah. and But I think the good thing about it is we do talk about all the different facets of why there is confusion, but we are trying to put some semblance of like, well, what is in for hanging our hat on? How are we looking at this? How are we going to approach it? And, and hopefully that will give people some sense of hope of how we're going to be moving forward and and to see wh- how brands approach this going forward.
1: I love that. And I do really believe that information is good, that words have power and that as retailers, there are so many things that we can do to make the world a better place. And we hear that from a number of different angles in this episode. So I'm very proud of it, but I do think second episode, lofty, lofty theme, regenerative ag. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, well, hopefully this will get a listener, too.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, I have a great, great interview with Paul Lightfoot, the GM of Patagonia Provisions. Um, and then I have a really good conversation with a few of the folks here on the Infra team.
1: Awesome. Rounding that out, we have a segment in just a few moments from Jim Olson at Spins. And I also had a phenomenal conversation with Mark Squire, one of the owners of Good Earth Natural Foods in the California Bay Area. And I think kind of similar to your Paul interview, he gives us a really interesting, in-depth look at what retailers need to think about when they're considering regenerative agriculture and the products on their shelves. Um, I was pretty inspired by both of those interviews. I'm glad we each got to do one. So without further ado, let's just jump right into Jim.
2: Hello, I'm Jim Olsen, Spin's Retailer Insights Manager with a look at the latest trends impacting our industry. Top on the list of many industry trend predictions for 2023, including spins, regenerative agriculture is being embraced by an ever-increasing roster of manufacturers, retailers, and other third-party partners looking to support and grow the movement. A June 2022 report from Polaris Market Research even valued the regenerative agriculture market at $7 billion, with a potential to reach $23 billion by 2030. However, The biggest limitations remain a general lack of awareness among consumers, which then hinders capital investment and labor expertise to see it through. In fact, a recent New Hope Network survey showed only 19% of consumers understand what regenerative agriculture truly means. Nevertheless, several brands have taken it upon themselves to carry the flag forward with their practices, packaging, and purpose, and are worth checking out. First up, Alexander Family Farms. Their vanilla bean yogurt is derived from 100% grass-fed, pasture-raised cows and is the second product from this brand to earn the Regenerative Organic Certified label. Not one to sit on their bovine blessings, this yogurt is also a certified humane, adhering to a 65-page list of standards and pride themselves on avoiding pesticides or synthetic fertilizers across all 4,300 acres of farmland. This protects their soil biomass and cultivates natural microorganisms that in turn help their cows and chickens produce more nutrient-dense milk and eggs. All these efforts are being repaid in kind, as SPIN's data shows their sales are up 39% across infra. Serenity Kids, a manufacturer of wholesome baby food purees, purchases their ingredients exclusively from American family farms that produce regeneratively sourced vegetables and meat. This dedication to grass-fed and pasture-raised meats has earned them land-to-market verified status, meaning their farm soil routinely shows signs of improvement and vitality. Best of all, according to Spin's data, Serenity Kids grew 71% in the natural channel last year and posted 109% growth within infra. Most encouraging, regenerative agriculture and the efforts towards smarter, more sustainable ways of growing food is no longer limited to the smallest folks in the room. Kellogg's In Grain program helped rice farmers in Northeast Louisiana implement irrigation practices that achieved a reduction of more than 1,600 tons of greenhouse gases. Likewise, the Dole Sunshine Company funded a 740-acre farm in the Philippines to support regenerative agriculture practices to improve soil health worldwide. With this industry-wide adoption in full swing, SPINS has been working diligently to enable our partners to keep abreast of this trend through our resources. On February 13th, spins will introduce an attribute filter for regenerative organic certified, capturing sales for hundreds of brands committed to a more sustainable future and allow our partners to support them in kind. I hope you've all had a strong start to the new year. And as always, I'll see you at the show.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome Mark Squire, one of the owners of Good Earth Natural Foods in the California Bay Area with me today on the buyer's desk how are you doing today mark
3: i'm doing great thanks for having me
1: oh absolutely thank you so much for making time now we've had a little bit of a conversation we want to definitely get into some regenerative issues today but i'm also interested in overall kind of talking about grocery buying how anything regenerative or otherwise sustainable plays into some of those decisions for you so you know feel free to digress at any point because it is a little bit of an interesting conversation um Would you mind if we just kicked off? you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are?
3: You know, believe it or not, I've been uh, in the grocery business since I was 16. I I didn't start Good Earth. I walked into it after it had been open for six months. Uh, This is 1969. You know, just was thrilled with, I I had uh, read everything I could about organic agriculture and really became convinced that diet and agriculture was the solution to so many of the problems that mankind was uh, encountering. The business grocery part of it is just, you know, only to support the the other part, right? That's the way I think of it.
1: I love that. I feel like we have a lot of independent natural food stores that have similar origin stories, but I feel like we're just now seeing vendors starting to do that where it's mission first and then they're creating a product and selling it. But I think that the story is amazing either way. All right. So tell me a little bit about your grocery buying philosophy. Like you took over the store, you did some buying for some time. Tell me about like, what are the types of questions you asked yourself putting things on the shelf?
3: Well, I think we always sort of came from the place that it, we were a gatekeeper and it was our job to look at what I, what I think of as food quality. I think I rapidly realized that there is a, there's a lot of marketing hype in the food world. So we always tried to. When we were looking at ingredients, one of the things that I would always do is go to what I used to call the, um, can you make it in your own kitchen conversation? You know, and I still believe this, that, you know, if a, if a manufacturer can't explain to you how you would make an ingredient or a product in your own kitchen, then we probably don't want to be eating that stuff. Really, when it comes to food, it really is food preparation should be understandable to a cook right i mean i guess that's another way to say it yeah my my uh, reading on organics and you know becoming really convinced that organic agriculture was actually similar to diet uh, was going to heal humans organic agriculture was the way we could heal the soil and heal our agricultural system and get away from the pesticides you know i think that we Early on, sort of adopted and became advocates for organic standards and using an organic a little bit as sort of the minimum requirement that we wanted to achieve storewide. You know, we're getting there. We still we still have a few things that aren't organic at Gooders. You know, I'd say we're we're definitely over ninety five percent of what we sell is now organic. And you know, honestly, back in you know the uh, late sixties, I would have never thought that was even achievable. You know, it's so great to see, yeah. you know, all these products come out.
1: Absolutely. I um, 95 percent's amazing. I thought for sure you were going to use like a big, bold adjective there, but also totally makes sense to think about <sighs> how far the industry has come in that period of time, uh, which is an awesome segue into t- talking about, you know, what's next beyond organic? Where are we, you know, now that things are, you know, consumers are understanding a little bit more. You can find things in every other category. Tell me what's next.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, Regenerative, I, I got to admit, I'm a, um, I'm a little bit worried about the term Regenerative because, you know, basically it means so many things to diff- so many different people. And I think when, okay. when you use the term, you immediately have to say, are we using this as a marketing term or are we using this as an agricultural term? You know, I, I do, I was just at EcoFarm out here in California, and I, I love to sort of mix it up with farmers. I'm actually doing a little bit of farming myself. I'm a, a weekend farmer. And um, cool. so I love to talk agriculture and love to talk regenerative in agriculture. And there are farmers that are really trying to stop using so much tillage. And they are, you know, good organic farmers that have been around a long time that are really trying to make it work. And, you know, it's not as easy as you might think. So that's the ag conversation. And I could probably talk to you about that all afternoon. It, using regenerative as a marketing term is really different. And I think anybody that's using it in marketing, and it gets a little confusing because I've heard farmers use it in marketing, right? Yep, yep. You know, when it's used as a marketing term, I think you absolutely have to understand that it has no legal meaning and therefore can mean anything to anybody. Right. And we need to be very, very careful. I've heard a, a number of... Uh, farmers on stages that kind of talked about how they were regenerative regenerative you know they'd use the word regenerative a whole lot if they don't use it with organic you should be suspect because when i've you know asked farmers that were using that term repeatedly well what do you what do you do for your weeds the answer that came back would be well we're using glyphosate that's part of how we do it in my book regenerative doesn't include glyphosate but you know Generally, when it's used by farmers, it probably does, unless, you know, the, the one glowing, shining light there is the Rodale Institute. It's organic, regenerative, or regenerative organic. It's never just regenerative because the regenerative part has no legal meaning and even just confuses things for folks because uh, the consumer is confused and uh, the farmers are confused. and. You know, you can't use a term like that. That's just, you know, undefined and confusing people. So I hope that we as retailers will kind of reject that term as a marketing term.
1: And so what do you think? You think that the, you know, there's been this, uh, I don't, I wish I knew exactly how old it is, but I know we do have a regenerative organic certification program and a regenerative organic label that people are applying to. And I'm wondering, do you think certifying agencies like that can help and particularly interested in asking you this based too on the fact that you used to work with the non-gmo project
3: the the legal defined word is the organic part of that term Right, right right so you know official organic usda organic is only we've only had it for 20 years which is really you know in the scope of agriculture is kind of nothing so i guess my hope is that we uh will continue to push organic to be better you know and i uh I don't know a single organic farmer that won't tell you that he can do a better job of building his soil. And I think it's fair to say that the real impediment to that is economics, um, and it's not desire, you know right. so I've been um, sort of advocating, you know maybe here in California politically to try and get more funding for compost and cover cropping for farmers because they should all be doing that. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, to build soil health, which is absolutely, you know, it's the foundation of organic agriculture and is built right into the organic regs that, that, uh, soil building is important. You know, soil building is a little bit of a kind of a, you know, it's, it's like saying, Oh, I, I eat good. Right. Everybody says <laughs> right. they eat good. Right. Sure. But, but when you start to kind of, you know, really look at it, well, you know, do you eat organic or, you know, are you trying to, lessen you know your consumption of sugar and you know when you ask those hard questions it gets a little bit more complicated right right so I think we all need to push farmers to be more regenerative and I believe that it's the organic ones that are really going to lead that not be naive about it either in fact when I was at Ecofarm a few days ago one of the uh, talks I went to which literally was most of it was half a day of listening to organic farmers that were trying to eliminate tillage from their systems. Because if you look at the history of the term regenerative, a lot of it was pushed by these guys that were using glyphosate to kill their weeds and therefore could stop tilling. They were pushing this regenerative and it got sort of picked up by um, the natural community. So, So less tillage is a really important part of, what is viewed as regenerative. And of course the, the farmers that are using glyphosate, it's really easy for them not to till, right? They right. just go out and spray the weeds. When you talk about organic farmers adhering to low tillage, weeds is probably the chief reason that they're tilling. Right. So they're talking more about less tillage. So um, it, it's a complicated conversation you know, and I I think that we need to go into it with a real understanding of all those nuances if we use the word at all.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we still have not defined the word natural. The USDA organic certification always included non-GMO, and yet we felt, and yet we had a need for a separate non-GMO certification just based on the fact that consumers didn't even understand how expansive, right? And you definitely have to um, I just, I do think it's fascinating listening to you that we really do need to define these words so that they actually have power. And as
3: soil health is, I mean, I, part of what has happened with regenerative is that we've all really uh, started to look at this preliminary science that really shows that organic agriculture is sequestering huge amounts of carbon in the soil. I'm ju- I'm just reading this book called The Hidden Half of Nature, which is lovely. It, uh, talks a lot about soil systems and how they're they're alive you know and uh, but a lot of the way that soil is sequestering carbon is through microorganisms and which is why that you know to, to me the term healthy soil is a really good one it means living healthy soil right because it's it's largely the uh, microorganisms that are doing all the magic that's pulling in carbon putting it deep interacting with the plants. There's, there's a, a, a lot going on there. that's exciting, you know, and, and we're just uh, looking at the very beginning of the science around that. I, I'm convinced that, you know, organic agriculture is probably our best solution for drawing down carbon worldwide. And, and I'm also of the mind that we better get it together quicker, you know, I mean, we don't have time to screw around.
1: So, oh. Yes. When we
3: start arguing about organic, regenerative, da, 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 it's like, let's just do it. That's kind of where I'm, <laughs> where I'm at. And I think retailers could actually support that. I mean, uh, at, at Good Earth, we we kind of pride ourselves, like, you know, when we're looking on taking a produce vendor, you know, or, or dealing with a farm, we're always interested in what their growing practices are. So we try and encourage soil health among our producers you know, organic is the bottom line. But then even above that, there are farmers that are doing a lot more there than others.
1: Well, I really appreciate you chatting through this very complicated issue for me. But I know that a lot of our members and stores are going to be interested just talk about the kind of the complexity and like things to consider. And just, you know, different takes on that. Um, anything you want to leave, uh, leave the conversation with, like if you had anything to impart to other grocery buyers or even something that we could pass on to consumers or just kind of sum up?
3: You know, what comes to mind is, you know, soil health is, uh, is real. You know, uh, J.I. Rodale, who was the, you know, the guy that really coined the word organic way back when, you know, he, he had this uh, famous quote, which was healthy soil makes healthy plants, makes healthy people. You know, to me, it, a little bit says it all, you know, it's the the soil is the foundation of all health on the planet, so it's critical. You know, I just have always encouraged all retailers to, you know, organic should be the minimum. That's That should be our goal. It,
1: organic should be the minimum is a fabulous way to sum up this whole conversation. Mark, I really appreciate you spending some time with me this afternoon, and I look forward to talking to you in the future.
3: And thanks.
0: Hey, Angela, that... That was an interesting conversation between the two. They couldn't have been more different, but also complementary between Jim and Mark.
1: Yeah, no, you definitely hit that kind of juxtaposition nail on the head, right? So we've got Jim who comes in and he's actually talking specifically about brands and what consumers are looking for and what we can actually see on the grocery shelf. And then we have Mark who basically takes us back to the farm and really reminds us what it, how important it is to be a retailer. And I, I, Mark gave me all the feels. I don't know, what did you think?
0: After listening to, to you guys talk, what, what I really took from that was, if, if I were to summarize what Mark would say is, we still need to be discerning. We can't be complacent. We are the trusted sources that our consumers depend on, right? Oh, yeah. And from, from being in a purchasing team at a store, it's like, that's that's really what the people shopping in the store depend on you. They, they know that you're working on your product standards. They know that they can trust what's on the shelf. And I feel like Mark really hit that home. And it just really brought me back to my like co-op roots.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I feel like it will resonate with so many of our members that really do have that great, I want to feed my community and I want them to eat well. And I just, I, I love your summation, but I also just, I love the way Mark wraps up that interview you know organic should be the minimum like absolutely i think probably 75% of our members could put that on a t-shirt and it would absolutely resonate
0: oh totally yeah it sounds like that should be the the infra conference Uh, t-shirt that we put together, right? (laughs) Yeah. We're
1: really far into 2023 planning though. Let's talk about 2024.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just Uh, getting ahead of ourselves.
1: Yeah. No, but, but I really, I do. I loved, I loved the difference of those opinions. I love how we'll have members that will be really interested in kind of that spins data. What can I put on my shelf now? And we're going to have other members that are going to really enjoy Mark really breaking it down, like reminding us that words have power, reminding us that retailers have power and like, you know, frankly, giving us like a, a really nice look at like where we are and where we could be going so it was it really was uh, quite a joy to talk to him and i'm glad that he made time um i know we're coming up on some people internally you talk to yak yeah? yeah so interestingly
0: so i had a conversation with three folks here in at infra um jesse nina and matt both with very different experiences but we talked regenerative ag And I think that the conversation that we had while you were having this conversation with Mark, complement each other very well, and hopefully bring some clarity. There's some alignment in what we talked about. Without further ado, let's listen to that conversation. First, a word from our sponsors.
4: Hello, I'm Matt Meyer with Thousand Hills, lifetime grazed, grass-fed beef. What we know is that protein is vital to life and quality protein is vital for quality of life. There's a growing demand for the highest quality protein, and Thousand Hills is committed to satisfying that demand. When the protein that our families are eating helps to regenerate the soil that supports our existing and future food system, supports small family farms that are invested in this mission, creates diverse grasslands, protects our water and habitat, that is what we mean when we say the highest quality protein. Simply, we want to give back more than we are taking. Thousand Hills is part of the growing effort to heal us, to heal our families, our farms, and to restore our herbs. We're a community and the people who believe in this work, the people who care, they're joining this mission too. We are so grateful to play a role in this purposeful movement and to leave a legacy of regeneration. Learn more at lifetimegrazed.com.
0: I'd like to welcome Jessie Rock, Promotions and Merchandising Advisory Lead. She's been with Infra for three years, and prior to that was in Natural Foods Retail for 20 years in a wide range of grocery and wellness management positions. Next, we have Nina Brown, Marketing Manager, who has been with Infra for about a year. Prior to Infra, Nina was in Promotions, Brand Management, and Shopper Marketing for 20 years. Last but not least, we have Matt Olson, Fresh Program Manager. He has been with Infer for four years and spent 15 years in a variety of roles in natural foods retail, including purchasing manager for Fresh Departments. Welcome, everyone. How are you doing?
5: Hi, Chris. Good. Hi, doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Hello, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Uh, so today we want to discuss Regen Ag from kind of a higher level, but also what we can do about messaging at the store level. So let's start out specifically on differentiating regenerative agriculture versus regenerative organic agriculture, and which of these infra is kind of hanging our hat on? Matt, let's start with you at looking at this from your lens from the produce world.
6: Thanks, Chris. Yeah, um, like you mentioned, I spend a good amount of time in the retail environment, primarily in produce. Um, And actually a couple of years ago, I was fortunate to visit the Rodale Institute. So I got to see firsthand their different farm system trials they have had going on for 40 years now they recently just released their 40 year report but it was just a great first hand experience to see those side by side trials of organic versus conventional and to learn about that firsthand you know and one thing from my experience that stands out is the USDA organic seal has always been the gold standard and it continues to be a very rigorous standard but mm-hmm. there are some gaps have been identified in it and You know, specifically around soil health, animal welfare requirements, as well as treatment of farmers and farm workers. And so that's where this regenerative organic certified uh, seal comes from and really fills in those gaps and helps elevate it to a different level.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I think we look at some of the products that we sell, like take eggs, for example. Like there's pasture raised eggs, there's free range eggs, there's organic eggs. So it sounds like something like regenerative organic certified really encapsulates kind of all of those and, and really shows like that could be a new gold standard for a product like that. That's kind of what you're talking about, Matt.
6: Yep, exactly. Like the new gold standard, elevate that organic seal. And really, the there's three pillars of this regenerative organic certified soil health, which encompasses things like cover crops, crop rotation, uh, conservation tillage animal welfare. So, you know, grass fed, pasture raised, all that good stuff. And then, like I said, like social fairness, so livable wages for farmers, farm workers, safe working conditions, all that kind of good stuff. So those eggs that you're referencing that would, with that regenerative seal, regenerative organic seal is really going to encompass all of those and give a real holistic, uh, holistic approach to the farming and treatment of the all components.
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, Nina, let's, let's look at this from a little bit of, of a marketing perspective, too. Like, what are, what are some of the insights and things uh, that, that you've seen around regenerative ag?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we know that environmental sustainability is very important to shoppers and that those numbers are only increasing year over year. The last survey that was done, it said that six in 10 consumers say that it's important that the food products that they purchase or consume are produced in an environmentally sustainable way. And even more important, more people are now saying that it has a direct impact on their purchases, which is up from 27% in 2019 to almost 40%. Wow. So yeah, this is really important, especially among Gen Z and millennials. It's the number one concern for Gen Z by a long shot. (laughs) And it's in the top three for millennials, which is really almost on par with personal health and unemployment. So this is something that is a trending topic. It's not going away. And really showing how food and products are produced in a way that aligns with these concerns is really important as they continue to seek those types of products out.
0: Excellent. Well, I think talking about the products, that, that's a good segue for us to, to really dig into that a little bit more. You think about us in, in the independence and natural foods, we've supported the idea of Regen Egg. You know, whether I, I know from working in retail, you know, talking about biodynamic, is that going to be the next certification that's really going to take over and be the gold standard? Now with Regen Egg really taking hold, it seems like that's going to be the, the, the certification that, that is really going to be that next gold standard. So for us as independents that have been doing this for a while, how do we get that message to our consumers that not only we've been about this, but that we are about this? Like, how do we message that?
5: Absolutely. I think one, one of the things that's important with the certification is that it has those specific pillars and it talks about, and you know, in what ways is it meeting those standards so there's a lot of talk about greenwashing you know everything says natural so it's hard to understand like well what does that mean how does it impact me how does it impact the environment so by having these certifications kind of credentialing it helps consumers find what they're looking for we know that a lot of shoppers particularly gen z like to buy things that support the things that they care about but there's a lot of confusion about what those things are So having this, messaging it, um, explaining what it is, is really important. And it's important to not only do it in store, but out of store so that you can drive education about what this is, awareness of what's available, and then again, like, and where they can find it. So really driving that foot traffic to your shelves to get these products that are not only great for the environment, but again, aligned with concerns and are giving people what they're looking for.
0: No, I think that's a good call, especially when you call out the... Gen Z and millennials, you know, a lot of times they're going to get a lot of that messing digitally. But then we also have to translate that to in-store so that those experiences are in alignment. So, Jesse, with some of your merchandising experience, you, you've both worked in retail for a long time, but you're out at infra stores and working with members. Um, what are some things you're seeing? How can you connect this from a merchandising perspective?
7: Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, I did spend a lot of time working in stores and I've spent a lot of time over the past year visiting a good handful of infra stores and I, f- I feel like I can speak with authority when I say that folks in the natural foods industry especially at the store level are really passionate about these sorts of topics and they are good at walking the talk of organic and biodynamic and supporting all, all the things that we want to support but one thing that we're not always really good about is shouting out that messaging in all the different ways that we can do that And that's a a term that we use a lot is literally shouting out your messaging. You know, some stores will have uh, little shelf talkers here and there or occasionally, you know, something on their social. But it's the kind of messaging that I think really needs to be put out there frequently, very frequently and in different ways. And so, like, I think Chris or or Nina spoke to the fact that different ages are going to respond differently to different messaging. So your, your folks who are on social media, your folks who are maybe listening to the radio or reading a newspaper are going to get messaging in different ways. I think sometimes we feel like we are preaching to the choir a little bit because of the the communities that support your stores. But there's a lot of people out there who are potential shoppers for you too, that really need to hear this messaging. And the more feelings that people have about climate change and, and what's happening in the world, people are going to start seeking out more of those products. And so I think it's really important that independents step up and make sure that folks know that that's where they can put their money to support those brands. You know, within Infra, we have a number of brands that we like to work with that are in this realm of regenerative egg. We've got Regenerative Egg Day coming up February 14th, which also happens to be Valentine's Day. Um, You could create some kind of, you know, Valentine's Day regenerate your love kind of um, end cap or something (laughs) like that. Um, There's ways to, you know... (laughs) Yeah, you don't necessarily have yeah. to do that, but, you know, there's there's messaging out there that you could you, you could use, as, as corny as it could be. Yeah, but it's it's having fun with yeah, it, right? it is having fun. And I think that's the thing is, like, you know, this, this messaging
0: can be so serious, but having fun with it can really help connect with your consumers, yeah. too. Yeah,
7: and people, like, I mean, people just like to see stuff like that that could easily be, like, a social post as well. I know that in March we have um, Patagonia Provisions coming up on InfraDeals, Deals. And then there's just a whole bunch of other brands that our stores work with and that are very familiar. And then of course you've got your your local farmers and and folks who are really like in the dirt, uh, doing their thing to help keep it going. <laughs> literally, yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally in the dirt.
5: And I would say another advantage that um, stores have is that they really have feet on the ground. So for stores to arm their staff with information, so they can answer questions, be you know advocates for this movement and be prepared to kind of talk to people about it. So hey, what does this sign mean? You don't have to like sit down and have an hour long conversation, but there are some quick bullets they can really speak to to get people engaged and excited about these products that are available and the work that's being done.
6: I was gonna say, I think like that staff education component is very important in particular, when you think about the produce departments, typically that's the first point of contact people have when they enter your stores. So educating your staff to be able to speak to these different certifications to be able to highlight the local farmers they're partnering with, but then also going back to the having fun with it, empowering your staff to have fun with building displays, you know, highlighting a local product that you're really excited about and just getting behind it and buying into it on all components is really just gonna help spread the message and, you know, translate that to the, the people coming into the stores. Awesome, that's great.
0: Well, I really appreciate all three of you being here to discuss regenerative ag, how to message at store, what this is all about, things to look for and a lot more to learn. Um, But I appreciate all of your perspectives around this through your expertise. We look forward to uh, hearing more from brands and folks that we have on this episode. So thanks again, everyone.
5: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks.
1: Chris, I think you were right, that conversation with Nina, Matt, and Jesse really did touch on a number of things that both Jim and Mark and then Infra wanted to touch on for a kind of the conversation around regenerative agriculture.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad that we we did these in, in this order because it gave us that well-rounded look on this topic. But what I really like about even what Matt said is really talking about the, the three pillars of the regenerative organic certification. I mean, going back to what Mark said is regenerative is meaningless without context, right? So, for that conversation to hang our hat on regenerative organic certification really solidifies that meaning for us when we talk about regenerative, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely a way to make a definition. It is also a classic way we've seen over and over again on the grocery shelf of a way for a product to say, this is what this means USDA organic, non GMO certified, all of those things, you know. And I think. Uh, consumers that care are getting smarter about looking for that, so it makes perfect sense to take kind of you know the squishiness of regenerative and really double down on you know what Rodale is doing.
0: Yeah, and and also to to recognize too that this is so new, you know, not a lot of brands actually have the ROC yet, so it it is coming. We are going to have to learn how to message this, how to differentiate. So it it is going to be something that's going to be hard as it's emerging. But we'll get through it. That's why we're talking about it now. Yeah. So as it comes out, people have a little bit of preparedness for it. But yeah, more, more to come as we learn more, right?
1: Well, I mean, that's a pretty excellent segue to your conversation with Paul Lyfoot at Patagonia Provisions, because talk about a company that has seen things coming or has just decided to make their own path, right?
0: Yeah, and interestingly, like, uh, and I don't want to give away the the interview, but I think the way their company runs of they do things the right way. And if it's a trend and it's aligned, then they're about it, but they don't do things to be trendy. Um, So I think it's fascinating their connection to the ROC, to Rodale. Uh, I think we should get right into that. Before that, we have a word from our sponsor.
8: Hello, my name is Josiah Webster, the marketing specialist for Ancient Nutrition's Ranch Project. And I'm here to talk about regenerative agriculture. Our commitment to regenerative agriculture, nutrition, and climate health is why we dedicate 1% of all revenue to the Ranch Project. Each initiative we undertake reduces greenhouse gases by avoiding emissions, reducing waste, and sequestering carbon dioxide already in the atmosphere. Our goal is simple create the change we want to see. To this end, we are directing the strategy and operations on over 4,000 regenerative organic certified acres owned by our co founders launching a seven-year holistic grazing project planting a million-member regenerative food forest of superfood-bearing perennial trees bushes vines and shrubs and transforming food waste into feed and seed at ancient nutrition we are leading the regenerative revolution in body mind and planet visit ranchproject.com to learn more
0: i'd like to welcome paul lightfoot the general manager of Patagonia Provisions, to chat with us today so we can learn more about their brand and the great work they are doing. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Infra Buyer's Desk. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy
9: to be here. Thanks, Chris.
0: Awesome. Thanks for being with us. So uh, one thing I want to point out that Yvonne has said that Patagonia Provisions is not just another business venture but a matter of human survival. So I feel like that's kind of a, a huge statement for a reason to start a company. Um, but what does that mean to you as the the rather new GM of this division? And, and what's your vision for the future?
9: Well, it means there's a lot of weight on my shoulders, right? You
0: know, <laughs>
9: Yvonne has said publicly, but he's also told me privately that, you know, he thinks the food business should rival the apparel business. And that's not a small hurdle to imagine overcoming, right? Uh-huh. But Pat- you know, Patagonia is nearly a 50-year-old company, and, and he, the mission of the company is as simple and as important as a mission can be, which is to save our home planet, you know, and and if and if that's the mission, food could be perhaps should be the most important lever that Patagonia can really pull toward fulfilling that mission, right? Uh-huh. And the the food business of Patagonia, which is what we are, um, it it's it founded on this understanding, which which is a truth, that today the food system is is bad for the planet, bad for climate, but that it has the potential to be good for and great for the planet, right? So. Different estimates, but let's just say right in the middle, sort of agriculture is about a quarter of global greenhouse gas emission. But we know that when food is grown regeneratively, it can draw carbon from the atmosphere. It can store water in the soil. it can improve biodiversity. And, and of course, it can improve the health of the people that eat it. And we know that everybody eats every day, right? So this is really the opportunity for Patagonia create markets with branded Patagonia food that's grown regeneratively that that incentivize farms to grow foods that make things better, instead of worse.
0: Well, oh, that's so great to hear. And well, so Regen Egg is becoming more important, especially at retail, you know, as a differentiator in natural foods. And our members at, at Infra are very interested in how companies are investing in this. So I know from your experience in the food egg space, um, this is something that, that's been personal to you for, for many, many years. Um, but what is Patagonia Provisions doing in this realm, especially around certification?
9: Yeah, I'm going to answer your question in a couple of ways, and the first is the way you ended it. We we partnered with with a you know a company that's a friend of ours, Dr. Bronner's, to fund and help stand up a nonprofit called the Regenerative Organic Alliance, and, along with a third partner, the Rodale Institute, which was a pioneer in setting the organic standards. Right, mm-hmm. and um, and and basically, the, the ROA created a certification, regenerative organic certification, that starts with organic but then goes above it. It you know, has to be grown with regenerative practices. And and really our belief is that consumers, and and you know, data proves this out based on what we saw with, with organic, consumers will pay more for food that they perceive to be better for the health and better for the environment, but they need a clear signal that's authentic and that they can trust. And one of the the greatest threats to the regenerative movement right now is is greenwashing, people mm-hmm. using the word in a way that's not regulated and that doesn't have high standards. And so the the RO certification is intended to give consumers that signal. If it is RO certified, you can trust that it's organic, you can trust that it's grown regeneratively, and that will give consumers what they need to know to make choices that reward, you know, food brands and farms that are focused on regenerative supply chains. Awesome. So the other the other way I'll answer that question, Chris, is that Patagonia is an unusual company, right? We were a founding member of the 1%. For the planet movement. So one percent of our revenues, not our profits, but our revenue, we give out in grants. And one of the ways we decided to do some grant making was to to further the commercialization of 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 a grain called Kernza, right? And, mm-hmm. and most grains are annuals. You know, you you sort of harvest them and 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 plow it up and, and till and reseed every year, which disturbs the soil, which releases a lot of carbon. Um kernza, which was was really brought to market by the Land Institute, a nonprofit in uh, Salina, Kansas. Kernza is a, is a perennial grain, meaning it doesn't get pulled up every year and its root systems are way deeper than annual grains like, like regular wheat. And so Kernza has the opportunity to allow carbon to stay in the soil, which, which, you know, increases soil matter or the organic matter of the soil, but also to uh, remove a lot of carbon from the atmosphere and, and put it in the soil. And so our involvement with currents began with making grants to the to the nonprofit that was commercializing it. And now, you know, we've um, we've created market opportunities, right? So we've got we've got a beer in the market now that's made from currants of grain. We've got a pasta under the Patagonia brand that's made with the of grain. And these are really great products that that are not only great for, for climate, um, great for the planet, but they're also just great tasting, high quality food.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a great segue that, that you started talking about the products um, because I know you guys kind of entered with canned fish or as the current trend is termed tinned fish, that you're seeing all over social and that's kind of having a moment right now. So how are you seeing consumers engaging with that category and then it, yeah. engaging with maybe some of the other categories that you
9: guys have started to play in? The tin fish sort of movement is one that I'll admit caught me by surprise, right? Yeah, Patagonia philosophically does not chase trends. Even as an apparel company, we don't believe in fashion. So we're not looking to make the uh, the products with our apparel that will appeal to what fashionable people want next year. We consistently design our products for the highest quality, for the function for which they're intended to be used. And we think about food that way as well. Quality is differently defined in food. It's, you know, it's taste, it's nutrition, it's safety. Um, but Boy, we've we gotten a little bit lucky with the tin fish <laughs> <laughs> movement. Right. Because we've been making it for years. You know, we believe in it. You know, our our, our mussels um, are grown in a way that, that actually clean the water. They sort of regenerate the ocean. Our wild salmon, our mackerel, and our anchovies are all harvested in ways that protect the health of those populations. And it's it's just really good, right? Mm-hmm. It's delicious. It's been successful. But now all of a sudden there's like tin fish date night on TikTok. And, you know, we we sold out of mussels unexpectedly this fall. Because, you know, we sort of went viral on TikTok, which is not something my daughter ever thought she would say about her father's <laughs> business, right? Like, it's a strange thing when my job and my daughter's interests become overlapping like that. Um, so that's that's one way. But, you know, we've, we, we've also got, as I said, products that are focused on regenerating the Great Plains. You know, like we make jerky from a buffalo farm in South Dakota. And I already talked a little bit about, you know, products we make from prairie grain, currants, a beer, and pasta.
0: Awesome. Well, well. Finally, I think to really connect this back to the store staff, uh, what do you want store buyers or other store staff to know that might be new information to them? Like, why should they have Patagonia provisions on the shelf?
9: Well, I, I guess what I like to point out to people is that there's not some sacrifice required here to be, uh, you know, a soldier in the battle to fight the climate crisis. Right? Consumer awareness of food's role in the environmental crisis. Is today an amazing opportunity, right? It is. There are no young people left who are like, "Is, is climate change real?" Like it, it, that is that is a boomer um, discussion to be had. It's not being had with twenty year olds, right? So, if you're interested in, in thoughtful young, um, the demographics that most people want, you know, thinking about the environment, environmental crisis is, is important, right? And mm-hmm. the rise of regenerative farms, and it, it is a powerful movement regenerative food will eclipse organic food, in my opinion, is the right time right now. And Patagonia has had a long-held belief that doing what's good for the planet will be good for our business. That's how we've always made strategic decisions, and, and we think that will serve us well in food in the future. Now, I think a lot of food retailers may not be able to think like that. You know, a lot of them may be driven by the quarterly demands of being public companies, but I think that, that your members might be exactly the ones who can embrace this philosophy and who can who could benefit from it, right? And take that long-term view and and nurture the growing demand for food that's better for the climate. So I'm I'm definitely encouraging them to think about that. Uh, You know, if I think about the people working in the stores, I also just think about tin fish is just a great, it is just a great category to be in right now, not only because people want it, but also because it's just a simple and delicious way to add protein to almost any meal, salads, pastas, even right out of the tins on on a hike. and 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 finally, we are killing it in the muscles business right now, which had not been a very big category in um, in, in retail, but but people who try it really love it. They're surprised by how much they enjoy it. So I, I'd encourage people to give that a try. Well, and you guys have some really good flavor combinations too. So I think that
0: that really helps. Awesome. Well, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate your time today to take a deeper dive into the brand and what our partnership means to you. Thanks again.
9: I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Chris, what a phenomenal conversation with Paul about a phenomenal company, Patagonia. How was that for you?
0: Oh, it was great. And and I think the, the coolest thing about it is uh, before we even recorded this segment, Paul let me know that he is going to be a board member on the Regenerative Organic Alliance. And now that's official, I can actually announce it. He said I could say it. We just couldn't say it in the interview. Um, so that's super exciting. And I think the Regenerative Organic Alliance You can find them out at regenerorganic.org. It's just that cool organization that brings it all together, right? They're the ones doing the certification. Uh, Jeff Moyer from Rodale Institute is the chairman of the board. And there's a bunch of really cool brands on the board of directors. So... Check out that, that website. It's phenomenal.
1: The buyer's desk. First exciting announcement. I love it. Yeah. Well, Denise had a pretty sweet announcement oh, with her no, Nosh.com no. yep, yep,
0: yep. 2022 brand of the year. You're right. Uh, we're just we're just throwing announcement after announcement.
1: Oh my gosh. And I, I know Paul's interview was incredibly serious and I love that he is on that board of directors. Very cool. But I can't let it go without at least telling you how much I loved Tin Fish Date Night. <laughs> right? And that is
0: so awesome. And I think the the greatest thing is bringing what Jesse said in retail talk about the regenerate your love for Valentine's Day and regenerate your love with some tin fish date night. Uh, yeah, there you go social media. Uh, absolutely
1: no, we just we just planned <laughs> your February holidays for you, everyone. You are welcome. <laughs> I, I love that. And um, well, speaking of Jesse, too, that's an awesome segue for me to tease our March episode, which is gonna be all about women in grocery. I'm definitely going to have a conversation with Jesse and hey, Chris, thanks for letting me take over Retail Talk next month. I'm excited.
0: Oh, heck yeah. All
1: right. Episode two in the books.
0: We're done. We're done. Peace out. Bye. Well, folks, that's it for this episode of The Buyer's Desk. Thanks to Angela for co-hosting, and I appreciate the contributions from Infra staff, Infra members, and Infra vendors for helping to make this episode happen. I appreciate all of you who listened this far, and I hope to see you next month for another episode.